So like, that's why it matters whether or not there are chairs, because it bears on whether or not you exist. And if you do, what kind of thing you are. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. I'm your host, Parker Said a Case. This is my puppy, Theophilus, the most excellent puppy. And uh, I got to hold him or he'll bite my cords. Be a good boy. Uh, on this episode of the Parker's Pensies podcast, it's like a part two of my conversation, my recent conversation with Joe Schmid. Uh, we recently went over our favorite books in philosophy or the ones that helped us learn philosophy and dragged us in deeper. So if you haven't watched that, go ahead and watch that episode. This uh, is like the part two of that, where we're going to be talking about public philosophy. Who counts as a philosopher? Why are the continentals beating the analytics in public philosophy? And uh, in a little bit more. So uh, stay tuned and you'll learn all about public philosophy. Um if you have not watched that one with Joe before this on our on our books, do go watch that link in the description. Uh, you can watch this full one, and then uh, there'll be a card directing you to that one. Theophilus is crazy. <clears throat> um, before we jump in, though, thanks everyone who's making this podcast happen over on Patreon. Um, if you have benefited from this podcast, if it's one of your top ten or top five favorites, please consider becoming a Patreon patron. Uh, you can join for. $3 a month all the way up to $100 a month. Uh, if you join at 100 you become virtually part of my family. So that would be huge. Another way to give is down here in the super super thanks. Uh, you can click a super thanks button and you can just give a one-time gift if you in, uh, enjoy the podcast and want to help support what I got going on here. So uh, without further ado, let's pull Joe in and actually we're going to be mid-conversation. So let's cut to that. So yeah, that's logic. And I think that takes us to the, the last part of our video. Oh, yeah, man. We made it. We did it. So, uh, folks, that's like, you know, those are books that will help you grow in uh, in your philosophical acumen. Will they make you a philosopher? Like, that's kind of a question I want to pose to Joe. What even is a philosopher? I don't know what a yeah, philosopher is. Yeah, right, dude. Yeah, I seriously yeah, yeah. don't know what a philosopher is. Do you need to Do you need to have a PhD to be a philosopher? See, that's, I mean, what, no. I want, that's what I want to ask you, dude. Like, you is, publish... Like, we publish more than a lot of professional philosophers. Um, if you're not a philosopher, then it's like then we just need a new term, or that term has lost its its meaning. It can't. I don't know, man. I don't, I, want I don't it know to what be, it is either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what what is a philosopher? I mean, it it can it be like is having a PhD required? Well, then what about like Plato? Did he have a PhD? No. Does, <laughs> does Swinburne have a PhD? Okay, so he. So Swinburne's quite old, and he has the degree program that they had way back when for like right. in his education. So it's not a strict. Right. I don't think it's like a strict PhD as we currently conceive of it. Right. Um, so I remember. Like I remember reading about one. it. Yeah. So yeah. like you don't get to call Swinburne uh, a philosopher. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's a reductio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind yeah. of weird. Like, do you have to be publishing? But like, you don't have to be publishing. Someone could have just gotten their PhD and then they maybe they teach philosophy to people at like a community college and they don't publish or anything. They're right. still a philosopher. So like, right. you don't need to publish, but you also don't need a PhD. Um, I mean, it seems as though someone who's like actively in the field, they're actively publishing, they're publishing books and articles in top academic presses. That seems to qualify them as a philosopher, doesn't it? But yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what a philosopher is. <laughs> I mean, I, you had I the answer, man. <laughs> yeah, no. See, I lean towards more inclusivism on this. Like, I okay. tend to think that way more people are philosophers than than people think. I mean, because you can distinguish. Like, listen, 
Uh, I'm a soccer player. I'm not a professional soccer player, but I'm a soccer player. Yeah. Right. So people can be philosophers without being professional philosophers. I guess so that's a that's a distinction. In that sense, anyone who's like interested in philosophy, who reads it and so on, and who is like kind of committed to doing what philosophy is, I guess they, they would qualify as a philosopher. Maybe they wouldn't ipso facto qualify as a professional philosopher. Yeah. But but then what do you need for a professional philosopher? I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Because it's like, well, some if, if, uh, if a dude read our whole list of philosophy books and then started a YouTube channel and started making bank, like, <laughs> he's not a professional philosopher. Well, he's making his whole living and he's making more than three philosophers put together at Oxford. And, like, and he could be teaching at the exact same level. And he could still be, he could even have more knowledge than those sorts. Of with these, a like, way bigger audience. And yeah, way with more a way money. bigger audience, way more influence, and, more but money. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, yeah, but you're not like publishing in journals. Like, you should be doing that. But it's like, <laughs> what? But Plato didn't publish in journals. Like, okay, well, Plato, that's back. You know, it's like, it's tough, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I lean towards more the inclusive. It's like more people are philosophers than we think. Like you're That's a philosopher. Good. I'm a philosopher. A lot of the people who are listening right now are probably philosophers. Interesting. Um, as for what's a professional philosopher, I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> That's good. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about like the state of popular philosophy mm-hmm. because um, I'm, I'm swimming in a bunch of different worlds now, uh, like when it comes to social media and stuff, trying to promote the podcast. And it's fun. Like people get lost. Like the Instagram population is cut off from the Facebook. And like f- when it comes to philosophers and stuff, but like Instagram philosophy is all continental. It's just all like you follow any of the hashtags and stuff. And I'm like, why are the continentals winning in the public sphere? And maybe maybe you don't see that. Um, but what do you think? Like what what is the state of, of public philosophy? Yeah, so some precautionary notes. So I'm just going to be speaking in broad brushstrokes. Yeah. And moreover, when we're talking about continental analytic philosophy, again, these are broad brushstrokes. There's overlap in certain places. Things get messy and so on. Yeah. Um, so we're not we're not trying to like do these like super duper dichotomous black and white sort of thinking. We're not trying yeah. to do that. But in general, you can you see general trends among yeah. what we can can call analytic philosophy and what we can family call. resemblance yeah exactly yeah, right. exactly so uh, that's just a precautionary note i don't want to be too rigid here but sure so yeah what is the state of popular philosophy um so i guess i'd say it's maybe middling there's some good and some bad there hmm. um i mean for starters i still don't think like philosophy as such i just don't think it's prevalent and i don't think it's well known um at least, again, a lot of this is based on my personal experience. But sure. when I tell people I study philosophy, I mean, they, they either think of psychology. They kind of think about mm. that first. Um, uh, and even if they don't think about that, they, they don't know what it is. They, like, they don't know what questions are being asked. They don't know how philosophers investigate them. They don't know about the state of the field at all. Yeah. So that's, that's disconcerting. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... I guess some positive side of this with respect to its state, and I know later on we're going to talk about why the Continentals might be seeming to be winning or whatever. But another thing is, like, this is a positive. It does seem to be growing in some sense. I mean, again, I don't have empirical evidence for this. Um, It's just like a personal observation. Um, But I don't know. More YouTube channels are cropping up that that are dedicated to either philosophy religion or philosophy more generally. more podcasts are cropping up and more and more books are being written by more and more presses by different authors and so on. Mm. Popularizers are doing quite well. Um, like philosophy tube, for instance, like these people are growing and they're, um, at least exposing 
philosophical kinds of thinking to audiences. So I see a lot of growth in a lot of yeah. different areas, which is positive. Uh, but I'd still say like the state is middling, if not, I guess, more disconcerting than not, just because so many people just don't even know what philosophy is. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so like, do you do you see a lot of um I like I like some continental stuff. Like uh if you want to say phenomenology is continental, then I like those folks. Um I like I like reading some stuff like I said earlier, I want to be well-rounded. I want to know all of it. I'm just I'm in for all of it because I want to be a philosopher. And if you think the philosopher should know this, then I'm going to know that. And you know, just cuz I want to do that. I think it's fun. But uh it's like, hey, I'm I'm studying to be a philosopher. I study philosophy of religion. I, I don't say that anymore because it's it gets so confused on what I study, and that's this is a historical accident. It was philosophy of religion because everyone was Christian, and they were all like, "Here's what we're studying." They weren't like comparative religion type stuff. Um, so, does God exist? And those questions. Do you see a lot of like when you say you you study philosophy? Do you do people say like Nietzsche and 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 Marx? Do you get that kind of stuff or no? I mean, usually I get, oh, that's interesting. What are you going to do with that? Uh, but you know, that's usually what I yeah. get. But like um, some people, it's interesting. So when I told one person, um, he asked me, oh, that's interesting. Uh, do you study more so? He, well, the person asked me the, what style. And I was like, interesting. You're asking me about my huh. style. I thought they were asking analytic versus continental. And it turns out they were. I yeah. asked like, well, what do you mean by that? Um, in typical philosophical fashion. What do you mean by <laughs> defend yeah, that? <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're like, oh, do you do you like do continental philosophy with like Zizek and so on, or are you more analytic? Um, and this person clearly was more on the continental side. So I don't. Sure. I honestly, um, I, I honestly uh, don't quite know. I mean, in my own experience, most people again just don't really. Yeah. They have no clue. I mean, as for like whether or not in the popular sphere, you have more of an idea than this than this than than I do. Mm. I mean, I guess. In high school, when I was in high school, like when people picked up philosophy things, they were they were picking up like Aurelius, Nietzsche, yeah, um, things like that. Yeah, uh, Kierkegaard, like um, yeah. Sartre, uh, all these different sorts of existentialists. Um, so big on continental sort of thing. So like, yeah. I guess if I had to, if I had to say which one, I mean, in the popular sphere, I guess I'd say continental. Yeah, um, I see a lot of existentialists and. Yeah, weird stuff that's come down from that and a lot of like antinatalist type stuff but um and then a lot of stoics like the stoics are yeah, the stoics huge. are big yeah they got they they're they have a great pr <laughs> like <laughs> they got all sorts of popular level books thinking like a, a stoic and all this kind of stuff and so i get that one too where it's like okay so like you know how should we live kind of stuff and i just want to be able to answer that i would love to be able to answer that in like as a analytic and not like being super pedantic, but whatever, I, it's all I'm in for all of it. But why like Zizek gets so much play? Yeah. Um. I mean, bro, you have a great accent of him. Yeah, it's like, pure capitalist <laughs> ideology. <laughs> why? Why does he get so much play? And why does that like? How come people know about him, but they don't know about like Mike Humor or you know Timothy Williamson or someone like that? Yeah. So I guess. I can't speak to the historical, socio-historical contingencies that led to, you know, Zizek yeah. coming to um, coming to power. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to these other people. But I mean, you know, more generally, if we might ask, why why does continental philosophy seem to be, I guess, resonating more with people than analytic philosophy in the popular sphere? I mean, mm. 
I have some hypotheses. I mean, again, I don't know if these are true, but <laughs> they're, I guess they're proffered explanations. They're proposed explanations. Um, I mean, one of them is like maybe people find continental philosophy more relatable, maybe more interesting. Mm. Right? I mean, it, it talks much more about that compared to analytic philosophy. It talks much more about like meaning and purpose yeah. and existential significance and like the role of ideology and propaganda in our lives and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I guess people find that kind of interesting, relatable. And um, I mean, compare that with what analytic, like a textbook analytic philosophy question, uh, like the special and general composition questions. It's like, what are material objects? Under what conditions do a group of simple things compose a material object? Uh, and like, do chairs exist? Like those sorts of questions. See, I but, love those though. I'm like, yeah, I do, do chairs. I, I look at my chair every day and I'm like, well, are you here or not? Like, what's the deal? Like, <laughs> I know. Then I think about like panpsychism and I'm like, boy, what are you thinking? Like, yeah, dude. But I <laughs> yeah, understand. Exactly. I get what you're saying. Your point's right. Yeah. 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 It, but I mean, a lot of those questions are just couched in like, what are the necessary and sufficient conditions that need to be met yeah. for a group of a collection of particles P1 through Pn to compose a composite object O such that O is not just, you know, and then you get to plural quantification. Like you get into the weeds so fast, whereas with the continentals, I don't know. It's just while those questions, I don't know, at least seem interesting that the analytics were asking, I don't know, the, they're, they're just much more like lived experience, like meaning, significance. Like, why am I here? Like, um, yeah. Uh, what is what is this ideology thing like you know people think about there's this really like continental take on capitalism versus communism that kind of zizek is into that people are i don't know that's like that's like into people's lives and so on right because it's like okay. the materialist consumerist culture that we're in um so i guess that that's one hypothesis right that it's just yeah. more relatable and more interesting um another hypothesis is that yeah, I guess it might be more grounded in like lived experience, right? I mean, like, hmm. you know, phenomenology and these sorts of questions. Um, people are dealing with the troubles that life throws at them. And that's a lot of what Continental is, at least as I've read the existentialists specifically. I mean, they talk about those sorts of questions like yeah. the absurdity of life and um, like what happens in light of tragedies that come and things like that. Um, I guess another hypothesis is just that it's uh, continental philosophy is more poet comparatively speaking, it's more poetic and literary. Uh, and that seems to be more engaging, I guess, to an audience, right? It's because it's, it's more poetic. It's like, it's like, it's interesting. It's more like <laughs> literature. People can read it that, you know, it's, yeah, it's not, true. you're not opening up and finding like these different quantifiers and they're ranging over certain <laughs> <laughs> domains and other sorts of things. So, um, and that, that leads into my next hypothesis was just that there's a relatively low barrier to entry for continental philosophy compared to analytic philosophy. Mm -hmm. I just, I guess like just with analytic philosophy, it is just so much like you have this math, right? The math you need to do philosophy. That's analytic oh, that's philosophy. Right. You need right. to know about sets and functions and power sets and the distinction between syntax and semantics. You need to know what an extension is and what a predicate is, like all these different sorts of things, man. Yeah. And quantifiers and propositions. Like there's a relatively high barrier to entry for that. <laughs> you need to read yeah. like, like that. that's why we, had, we were talking about this. Like to get into analytic philosophy, you have to read the intros to analytic philosophy. You have to right. have these bases that then you can build on. You can't just go into, for instance, Pierre Boom and McKenna's book. Um, so... Yeah, I guess there's somewhat of a high barrier to entry to that. And it like it takes a lot. Like you really need to be dedicated to it. Whereas yeah. 
with a continental philosophy book, you could just pick up like Kierkegaard and start like reading, you know? Um, You're going to trigger some people. I have some hardcore Kierkegaard fans. Uh, Kierkegaard. They'll even say Kierkegaard. I know, yeah. Kierkegaard. There's some people yeah. pronounce it like that. Um, right, I, right. I didn't want to sound pretentious, so that's why I didn't say it. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, this is Parker's Pensies. We say Kierkegaard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. we also like Kierkegaard. Like, no, I was, <laughs> that's right. We say Sartre. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Zizek. Oh, man. That's uh, rough. But yeah, yeah, so I guess those are some of my hypotheses. I mean, okay. it's more relatable. Maybe it's more interesting. It's more grounded in lived experience. It's more poetic. It's more literary. And, and so thereby it's more engaging. And also yeah. there's a relatively low barrier to entry compared to analytic philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what good, man. I mean, what are your, what do you think about well, that? So, <clears throat> um, I'm, I don't want to alienate too people, too much people, too many people by, uh, I'm losing it here by, bringing up Roger Scruton again, but Roger Scruton did this kind of cool dance between the two where he would, he would say certain stuff like the continentals have good questions. Like being actually is a good question, but they don't answer it well at all. And I just like that. I like that. He's like dipping and then he'll be like the continent or the analytics focus. So, so in on one thing that it doesn't help anyone. <clears throat> I, I like the rigor. Right. And he was trained. I guess he was trained both. But um, I like that kind of style. I, I want to be able to do both. I think you're probably right that it's like, I think it kind of fits the ideal <clears throat> of a philosopher that you think just like the, the folk understanding, uh, maybe I shouldn't use that word, but the folk understanding of a philosopher is like a, a guy with a beard who gives you like no make statements all the time and helps <laughs> yeah. you with your life. Right. Yeah. And I still like that idea. I, I just don't, I don't know that it, that, that that is philosophy. I don't know if the, that ever has been philosophy as I'm thinking through as I talk with like Timothy Williamson and think about like what was Plato really doing, those kind of things. And like he kind of was a math snob and like you kind of had to know some geometry to even enter a school. Like yeah. there were some times where the crowd would get all mad at him because he wasn't speaking down to them enough. So like that's always been there. But there's also always been the sages out in the desert and you go and you go talk to them and they do have genuine proverbs. But like the proverbs are always like, either you get it or you don't, you know, and they're like riddles and sayings and maxims. And I like those, but it's, they never like the wise man doesn't go like, here's the 10 premises to help you understand this. Like you're supposed to go and do that or, you know, yeah. or you just see it by like rational intuition. So <clears throat> yeah, that stuff's way more popular, man. It's just like, it's more, it's more digestible. Yeah. Digestible you, pithy. Yeah. 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 And, and in some sense, like, <clears throat> Uh, shoot, someone said this on Facebook the other day. Someone's daughter said this, and it was really, really good. Um, I wish I remembered who said it, but their their daughter was, like, talking about philosophy, and, like, it's kind of like explaining the joke, like, analytic philosophy. She's like, doesn't it make you sad? Like, kind of, like, it's kind of like <laughs> explaining the joke. Like, you're just going in deep, like, <clears throat> so maybe people feel that way, that it's yeah. just, like, it's, no, too, I mean, it's, it's too much. That reminds me, I mean, yeah, another hypothesis um, that we've sort of been mentioning is like the questions, I guess, that they, they ask or the, yeah. the I, I don't know. Um, yeah, just like the absurdity of life, purpose, these sorts of questions that I guess analytics just aren't as interested in. I mean, of course, you're going to find analytic philosophers writing on these sorts of things. Right. But um, again, you're much more likely to find people talking about whether or not there are chairs. <laughs> I dude, I just like that. I really do like that one. Um, <laughs> so do I. Um, I mean, people think that it's irrelevant, but like, so I, I want to get 
Trent and Merrick's on my channel at some point soon to talk about um, composite objects and so on. Yeah. And I want to start because I, I can already like hear people saying like, this is so pointless, but like this touches on whether like what kind of thing you are, right. are you like an immaterial soul? Cause like suppose yeah. Mariological nihilism is true. Um, then there aren't any brains. There isn't, there aren't any composite, material yeah. objects humans yeah. don't really exist it's just particles arranged right. human wise yeah um so we're like unrestricted composition and you're like uh what do you think are there like, like billions of thinking things here because you know yeah. like my brain seems and to like be my mustache and your glasses are a thing like yeah but but then you get you like bring up someone who's really smart who who thinks that and then you give them an argument like that's oh i love that kind of stuff yeah dude. i love and I mean, like it just yeah. does bear on what kind of thing we are. Like, if mariological right. nihilism is true, it's very plausible. It's a very plausible entailment from that that you get substance dualism. Because mm. um, you either don't exist, which seems just, whoa. Like, that, that's, a, that's a significant result. Right. Or if you do exist, you're either a simple particle, uh, which is, like, what? <laughs> you're yeah. a simple particle? Like, and then you get into conservation of mass energy. It's like, you've existed for maybe billions of years. Like, what? And then... If that's like not humor, the case, well, then yeah. you'd have to be in, yeah, you'd have to be an immaterial soul. So, mm -hmm. like, that's why it matters whether or not there are chairs, because it bears on whether or not you exist. And if you do, what kind of thing you are. So, like, right. I, I just. And then so much falls out from that. You want to talk about yeah. meaning of life type stuff. You want to talk, you know, like, it's just downstream. It's just downstream. Yeah. That's okay. Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, downstream. That's another thing. It's like you, you have to get settled on the other, uh, lots of these other questions first. Um, so that's another thing. I mean, yeah. I guess. And, yeah. It's hard to settle those things, right? Like, get yeah. settled on it. And it's like, well, good luck. Like, it's <laughs> exactly. Really it's Kenny, exactly. Kenny Boyce, his daughter, I think. I think Kenny Boyce, hopefully he doesn't mind me saying that his daughter said that, but she's the one who said, isn't it like explaining yeah. the joke? Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, the final question that you had on here, which I thought was really interesting, which was how to push back. <laughs> how yeah. to push back against the influence. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we're just being a little bit tongue-in-cheek when we say push back. I mean... Um, you're explaining the joke dude yeah exactly <laughs> exactly oh my goodness um but yeah i mean i guess a few i had a few hypotheses for how we could push back i guess yeah. they're not really hypotheses but methods so one of them is of course to lower the barriers to entry in analytic philosophy sure. or at least at least take the steps to help people enter into it um so you know that's kind of what our channels are partly meant to do and yeah, yeah we just need to lower the barriers to entry get more people to see like okay, you don't need to know all the details of set theory and so on to start getting into this, start getting into these questions. Um, there are more digestible books. Like, like I said, this, this one, Applied Ethics, right? This is so comprehen comprehensible. Um, but, you know, you're not going to find set theory or anything like that in here. And so, you know, lowering the barriers to entry for people, that's going to be one way. Okay. Um, a second way is to evangelize, to spread the good news mm -hmm. of, uh, of analytic philosophy, right? So we can display, exhibit, and, and emphasize the virtues of analytic philosophy. So um, I guess just emphasize to people what's good about it. Clarity, it's clarity, it's concision, it's precision. Um, uh, the fact that it's so structured, right? It's You have explicit signposting. You have, uh, mm. here's an objection. I'm going to consider this objection. Here's my reply to the objection. It's it's really nicely structured you've got the rigor there and the care and caution with respect to the use of language um so that's helping to eliminate sorts of ambiguities yeah. um you've got the incorporation of formal methods like formal epistemology um credences bayes theorem uh, sets the math you need to do philosophy this is the incorporation of formal methods as well as um yeah so that's another virtue of analytic philosophy as well as um 
uh, the fact that it can be and often is interdisciplinary, especially with science. So it's oftentimes in mm. touch with um, science. You will you will often find, especially in philosophy of science and um, philosophy of physics, and in cases philosophy of religion, you will see a lot of any philosophy of free will, uh, lots of other places, yeah. uh, philosophy of mind. You'll see drawing on the resources of contemporary findings in science. So you'll see that a lot. Um, those are all really good aspects of analytic philosophy. And if we if we uh, display those, if we exhibit those, if we emphasize those to people, they can start to see the value of it more. Yeah. Um, so that's the second thing that I want to say. And then the final thing, before I turn it over to you to either offer thoughts on your own or comment on what I said, is just, um, I guess, to show people that they don't have to choose between continental philosophy and analytic philosophy, right? Mm. I mean, they can have a kind of synthesis here. Um, yeah. I guess they can like <clears throat> investigate the questions primarily asked by continentals, though, of course, not like exclusively asked by them. But they can still investigate the questions that continentals primarily ask, having to do with like absurdity and meaning and significance and, and purpose and existence and things like that. Um, but they can investigate those questions using the tools and concepts of analytic philosophy. So it's like it's almost like you can have for these people, you can have the content being continental type stuff. But the method that you use could be, let's say, analytic. Yeah. And then the implementation of that method can be a kind of mixture. So you can mix in some literary aspects. It doesn't just have to, you, like, if you're writing things, if you're trying to read things, like, it doesn't just have to be, I have three objections. Here's my first objection. It's that premise one is false. Here's my response to that objection. My response right. to that objection, you know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, you can, you can interweave um, literary and poetic elements into it. So it's like a mixture. I guess I'm just trying to say, like, you can yeah. synthesize these things. Yeah. Uh, that last point is huge. I think that's, I think that's really hard to do, but I know that we can do it. Like there's some people can like humor is already doing it, you know? So I, I think he does a good job of that. I don't know if he's doing like, a ton of literary stuff, but, um, at least make it more engaging. Like that's the sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, dude. Okay. So my, my thing, um, <clears throat> I think my, my big takeaway or whatever, my, my like suggestion is that, uh, I've heard, I, I talk with tons of philosophers now as you do. Uh, and a lot of them are interested in a public-facing philosophy. I don't know how they all learn the same phrase, but they all say a public-facing philosophy. And I'm like, cool, that's great. What does the public want? What does the public think about philosophy? What are the what when a, when the public thinks about a philosophical question? What do they have in mind? And usually, it's simulation hypothesis. It's those kinds of things. It's like, what is an NFT? You know, like these kind of things. And I try to deal with them on my channel. And I'm trying to start that more where I'm trying to ask these like heavy duty philosophers, like what if, what if we are living in a computer simulation, how would that affect things? Or like, can you help me explain content externalism and what do you make of that? Let's use the simulation hypothesis in order to do that. Because I know I talk with college students every day. They want to talk about that kind of stuff. They think it's interesting. They think that's what philosophy is. So cool. Just grab that. And I think that's kind of how we can, show like the the actual rigor still i don't like dumbing and watering things down um yeah you're gonna have to you can't just only write in existential quantifiers like you have to do more like you can't this a challenge? it's more than predicate logic <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right, right yeah um but you can do it by by picking the right topics i think right or or by by picking the right topics to that that genuine there is a genuine connection between your expertise and that topic right like you can do that you can find those it's all connected anyway. So that's my suggestion that, that people find out what the public thinks philosophy is and the question, the philosophical questions they have in mind. And then 
yeah, either work on those explicitly or tie those to yours and then drag them in. I don't want people, I don't want to, to dumb it all down. I think that they need to drag people into philosophy more. Yeah. Uh, I was, okay. I was going to say someone who does this really well, um, and I guess we could probably end on something like this point, but sure. someone who does this really well is David Chalmers, right? His recent sure. book, Reality Plus. Big time. Yeah. Um, like, the, you could see that it's like analytic philosophy, but, you know, he's breaking it down for a popular audience and he's covering these super interesting questions about yeah. virtual worlds and are they real and in what senses of real. So he disambiguates the senses of real yeah. and these other sorts of things. So that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking of this almost it's like a synthesis. Point. It's like, it's the questions that people are interested in firstly. Yeah. And it's like the method you could see for those who are kind of have the glasses on, they could see that it's a uh, analytic philosophy really. Um, but it's done at a, a really, approachable level mm. um and yeah just a way that doesn't take away from the rigor but uh preserves it while also allowing people to kind of enter into it and um to think clearly about it right because he's disambiguating yeah. the senses of real and like he's uh he's go going over these arguments and it's all super interesting because it's on these questions like yeah um simulation hypothesis other sorts of things and he does it with with like this is a just cherry on top, but he does. He has really good visuals in there too. Like someone yeah. did it well. It's like, oh yeah, the uh, the manifest image and the scientific image. Like it's just in this clever and it's cool. Like yes, that's that's good. That packaging helps too. Like if you're trying to reach the public, that stuff helps. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's huge. We we we've been going a while here, dude. Thanks so much for all your time. And uh, I don't know. I have to look to see if you beat if you beat uh, Taylor or not. But uh, dude, thanks <laughs> well, so much for, for all your time. Yeah, yeah that's close. you know, yeah. I really enjoyed this. Um, thank yeah. you so much for having me uh, come on. So, yeah, yeah so really it's it. it's Majesty of Reason, folks. Like, I, I'm pretty sure if you're here, you already know Joe, but if not, go check out his channel. Okay. Link will be in the description. And, uh, man, let's 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 make philosophy great again. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. Uh, this has been Parker's Pensies, and as always, all glory to God. <laughs>